Welcome to Two Priests Talking, a podcast where two Anglican priests sit down to talk about our current cultural moment and how we might live as faithful Christians in the midst of it. I'm Father Aaron Wright. I am the rector here at Old North Abbey Anglican Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am one of Two Priests Talking. Our hope is to bring you conversations about reasonable faith in what seems to be less than reasonable times. And I'm Father Nick Hamilton, the Associate Rector here at Old North Abbey, and we are Two Priests Talking. Well, well, Father Aaron, what a great weekend. It was a good weekend. It was. I said great, you said good. It was a good to great weekend. Why was it not great, like all the way great? Well, the fishing was pretty terrible. The fishing was bad. Right? Yes. We, we took a bunch of guys out, or did they take us out? I mean... We got there first. We got there first. So we kind of took some guys out. We had a good group from Old North Abbey here go out to um, Frozen Head State Park where they, uh, we all camped out, and we had tons of guys in terms of just tents everywhere. It was a blast. We were supposed to go fishing. We did go fishing. They stock it with really dumb rainbow trout at this time of year, and they were kind of dumb because they weren't going for anything we were throwing. I think Not they're used the to corn or pellets or something. We should have just been throwing corn. We should have been throwing cans of corn out there. and just. I, I actually was doing some research on what does it look like to tie up a corn fly. Are you serious? No, but I should have been, right? (laughs) You just, I guess it'd just be a hook with a a little bead on it that you then tie yellow thread and dubbing around and you'd have your corn fly. You just, you need it to sink a little bit. I just think you get, I think you get an (laughs) indicator and you get a hook and you just put a piece of corn on it. Yeah. I think that's just the way to do it. That's it. But that would be the cheapest. Is that fly fishing? No, that's not fly fishing. (laughs) I'm not even sure that's fishing. Oh, man. It was good, though. It was lovely to be out there. We had a good crew of guys. Uh, In spite of the rain, you know, uh, most of the guys who signed up showed up, and it was really lovely. I found myself thinking several times what a gift it is to have these men at Old North Abbey. We just have a really beautiful parish full of really wonderful people, and they're all hungry to know the Lord and to grow in what does it look like to love the Lord and serve others. And it was evident, right, this weekend. There was just a joy even in the midst of the rain, and that was fun to see. It was really fun. It was wonderful. And yeah. we had four different pots of chili. Yep. I, th- I actually think three of the four were made by the men, and only one was made by a wife. Which we is, won't say. Which we won't is pretty say good. who. We won't, we won't name any we names. We won't name the person who had his wife make the chili. Right, but we will name the wife who made the chili, just not the husband. Brandy, it was a delicious chili. Thanks for making that for us. We really appreciate it. We're not sure Brandy listens to the podcast, but we are sure that Katie and Brenna listen to the podcast. Oh, and thank you, Katie and Brenna, for listening to the podcast. We are grateful for uh, your listening and also for letting us go camping this past weekend. Absolutely. To all the women. uh, And we had guys who, of course, are not married who came and but we are super thankful for all the ladies who uh, said, um, okay, husband, you can go away for a day and a half and 
and rejuvenate yourself by the streams of living water that is Frozen Head State Park. Yeah. It was um, good. So we have not been doing as many podcasts lately. There's a reason why. We were talking about this before we turned this on, about how difficult it is right now Yeah. Um, in ministry. Yeah. It's funny, right? I think we... We're talking about the nature of life right now, the fact that, and I think probably not just for people in ministry, no, but people in life in general, sure. we're still dealing with the ramifications of a global pandemic with COVID, right? We're still doing things differently than we did a year ago. And yet at the same time, the pace of life, which slowed at the beginning of COVID has picked back up, right? It feels like everything's kind of go, go, go again. And so to a large degree, you've got all these additional pieces to life compounding what you did before COVID, right? You know? So life's busy and full, but you've also got this COVID yeah. nonsense in the mix too. So it's been, I mean, I've been really tired lately. Yeah. Yeah. Just and worn out. Yeah. And there's an emotional element to that too, because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to inch your way forward back to normal. And at the same time, you're, it's just like, a, it can be like running in mud. Yeah. Sometimes it's not bad. It's yeah. part of the struggle. No, it's all good. I think, and I think we feel really grateful. Part part of what that is is you know we've started uh, our catechism back up on Wednesday nights here in the church, and it's been good to see people face to face, and you know things like the camping trip, it, it, the ministry calendar, if you will, is filling back out, which is yeah. which is nice. It's a gift. It's part of what we've missed, but it means less podcasts. Oh so. sure. Well, I mean, my goodness, like ten months ago. Like my cal, I just put my calendar aside. It was like blank. It's like, just do what you can do. Make a lot of phone calls, you know. And now it's there's a bunch bunch of new people. I don't know what just happened. Did my chair just break? I don't know. Something popped. Um, yeah, a bunch of new people. A lot of people to connect with. And, yeah, uh, it's a gift. So thank you, Lord, for that too. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing Besides much tired. No, I'm doing much better than I was probably in November and December. Those are really difficult months. Um, but no, I think I'm doing well. I feel like I have my feet underneath me a little bit. I feel like we're moving in somewhat of the right direction just in all areas of life. Um, family's good. Um, work for Brenda has been really good. And, um, at the same time, it's like there's always, man, it just feels like there's always something new. That's just life, right? Always something new and um, really busy. Like there's people, I mean, I'm getting, you know, requests. Your wedding season's coming back up again. Like it was two years ago, I think I did four weddings in six weeks. And so there's a bunch of like wedding conversations coming up. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, things have been busy. Yeah. But trying to get all that sorted out but we're good good yeah and yourself likewise I think definitely feel full calendar feels full but there's some fun things coming up you know we'll go to the beach over spring break and camp and that'll be good to get away for a bit and we've got a trip out west to see family later in May and early June and excited about that so I think in general uh, I'm excited for spring too you know things are starting to bloom and uh, we've got like seven days of sunshine coming up. So what? Yeah, that's amazing. impossible. <laughs> impossible, right? Impos- it cannot exist right now. It's so stinking rainy. 
March in East Tennessee really is a beautiful thing. It is the greatest. Uh, I have a friend, a family member who's thinking about visiting, and he's he's like, I may come in March, or should I come in like mid-April? I was like, dude, you need to come in mid-April. Like the dogwoods in mid-April, it's just unbelievable. Spring. If you do not live in Tennessee, you need to move here for spring. For just no, just move here, and it's worth being here for the spring and the fall. There's nothing <laughs> better. It Nothing's really, better. Yeah. Um, but no. So our last conversation, yep. our last podcast um, was about liturgy. We began to unpack yeah. liturgy. What, is it, what does it look like for us as people in a liturgical tradition to engage with liturgy? Why liturgy? And we, we hit some high points there, which we don't need to recap everything. But, you know, we talked about this reality that people are liturgical. And there's this... Um, shaping that's going to happen one way or another in our lives, right? Either we will be shaped by God or we will be shaped by culture around us. And the church has always recognized that, which is part of why liturgy has been a part of the church's worship life really since its very foundation. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about how liturgy in many ways is a countercultural force that helps shape us into a priesthood, a royal priesthood, into the body of Christ who can actually affect change in the world around us. And we went several places with that, but if you want to hear more about that and you didn't listen to the last episode, feel free to go back and hit pause on this one and listen to the last episode before you get into before before you get into this episode. Yeah, sure. Where we're going to talk about Pizza? <laughs> Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> the best restaurants in Knoxville. Um, no, yeah, if you are getting ready to listen to this and you have not listened to the one previously, you would do yourself a disservice So, because the last one was so amazing. It was excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, it really wasn't, but it was, it'd, be, it'd be worth a listen to grab hold of this idea of why liturgy first and why are we doing what we're doing. And, and you, you said it affects change in the world. And I would actually say it affects change in our hearts as well, right? And you sure. may have said that, but I was drinking my coffee. Yeah. Um, but it does. It affects change in our own hearts, and it works on us, and it shapes us. Right. It shapes us so we can affect change in the world. Yeah. So yeah. If, if what we're getting ready to do is something, uh, we're going to walk you through uh, what we would call sort of an Anglican, um, we wouldn't call it sort of, we would just, it's an Anglican order of worship. And now, you know, everybody went to sleep when I said that, um, but we're going to, it's called an instructional Eucharist. We're just going to do this in terms of us having a conversation about what our worship services look like and why. And that's the thing that I would really ask you, if you're listening, is to think about why would we do something like this? I think one of the things you and I have talked about, Father Nick, is it's, it's in our human nature to yeah. oftentimes become a little bit... Um, dogmatic about how we do stuff sure and if we do it just right you know and part of that is that that's that's kind of a part of this but the real question in worship is to whom are we worshiping right is it ourselves or is it god that's the most important question in worship is to whom who is the object or the receiver or um the person of our worship right and then the other question is, and why do we worship that way? Right. Right. There's a reason. Right. And so 
when we talk about, as we getting, we're getting ready to unpack, as we talk about why we worship the way we worship, I, and you know, here's the other thing. Let me finish my, that statement. I see it as a narrative, as a story that God is bringing us into a big story about his story. Now, this is the story of Jesus. This is the story of the redemption of the world. This is the story of chaos to order. All of those things. Um, but every church, every Anglican church, and people may not want to hear this, there's, is different. There's local flavor. There's local flavor, right? Now, there's recognizable pieces that should always be there. Right. Right. There's this sort of like standard, right? But there's also this like local expression that sometimes pops up. Right. And so you may be going to a different Anglican church in a different place and hear that we do something at Old North Abbey and go, well, that's heresy. <laughs> you guys are just a bunch of heterodox non-Anglicans. That that'd be the extreme, right? But wait, is that is it is it the extreme right, or is it the extreme? <laughs> that would be right? the extreme, correct? Correct. You know, hope hopefully it's, uh, an Anglican from a more uh, Anglo-Catholic expression of traditional, yeah. yeah, of Anglicanism would be able to come to Old North Abbey and feel comfortable, but they would also find. Uh, that we're probably not as high church as they are in certain aspects, you know, and maybe even high church and more high church in other ways. Sure, right, you know, in terms of symbol and some other things, but yeah, yeah, no, you you make a good point, and I think as we dive into, we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about the service of the word, right? Mm-hmm. Most Anglican worship services, I should say, all Anglican worship services. Yeah, if it's just most, we've got a serious problem. Yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of yeah. Eucharistic worship services, yes, right? Yes, if, as absolutely. long as it's not morning prayer, evening prayer, where there's no Eucharist involved, are divided into two main sections, word and sacrament. Correct. And next week we'll talk about sacrament, or two weeks from now, and this week we're going to talk about word, the service of the word. What does that look like? And I think one of the things that you and I had been chatting about on the front end was this reality that liturgy doesn't start once we start talking right. at church. Right. But that liturgy actually starts in the gathering together of God's people. Oh, man, yeah. Right? You know, the liturgy begins as you get up on Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you have determined that you're going to get from your pajamas into your clothes to your car to church. You know, the gathering of God's people is a part of the liturgical process that's shaping us. Yeah. If the people of God don't show up to church, it's very difficult for liturgy, the work of the people, to take place, right? Yeah. If nobody's here, we're not really able to do liturgy. Sure. Exactly. That would actually be the liturgy of the world that (laughs) we're not here. No, and I would even go further back and say the liturgy uh, begins for one Sunday, the moment that you leave on the Sunday previous. Sure. Right. You go out into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and now you're carrying with you, which I've always said about the Eucharist, is it always fills you up, but it always leaves you hungry for more of the same thing, right? Sure. And so there's this sense of of the liturgy of the people, the gathering of the people becomes the first form of worship. I was in, um, it just reminds me about, oh, 14, 13 years ago, I was in Ireland. I was in you ready for this? I was in Clahan. Remember Clahan? I do. Yeah, I was in Clahan or Clohan, right? Clo- uh, the way us gringos say it, Clohan. Clohan or Clahan. And I was sitting there that morning. I d- totally forgot it was Sunday because I was 
backpacking and I was vacation sitting, mode. Vacation mode. I was sitting there making myself a little sandwich on a picnic table right outside of O'Connor's guest house. And all of a sudden, I just started hearing doors opening. I wasn't even paying attention. I started hearing doors opening coming down the the little village strip there, right? And I wasn't even paying attention. I didn't even turn around and look, but then I began to hear like people like walking down the street. And I turn around and there's just like little families and or individuals or whatever it may be coming down the street, walking to the church. And then I began to hear the bells. And I thought, oh, this is a liturgical expression of mm-hmm. worship. Mm-hmm. And just the sound on the feet, I mean, the sound of the feet on the pavement yeah. and the doors opening and closing was like, there it is. That's the first act of worship. Yeah, really beautiful. Too. For the Eucharist, yeah. That little town, the colorful buildings. And yeah. It's not a long walk, right? You know, it's a few few blocks to church. Yeah. You know, if you live on the far side of town. And that's, that is it. That's a really beautiful expression. And, and, and I think that's important for us to remember as we think about liturgy, both to your point that when we're sent out at the end of the service on Sunday, after Eucharist, we become Eucharistic in ourselves to go and live our life as Christ would have us live in the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that the world around us is shaped by Christ in us. But then also, you know, this returning act of coming back to church on Sunday, there's this cyclical nature that's important mm-hmm. because of the fact that humanity is liturgical. We need this shaping and reshaping, this forming and reforming process and practice in our lives because we're really slow learners. Mm-hmm. And I think <clears throat> that that's part of why when we get to church, and as we file into the the through the narthex into the nave, you know, through the welcome hall, if you will, into the sanctuary, to use more Protestant language, you you find your seat, and you maybe you're chatting with your friends in the pew in front of you, and there's that hum of conversation and the enjoyment of one another's company, and then we move from that into a time where either you or I will grab a bell, mm-hmm. right? And we'll walk through the nave and we'll walk outside and we'll ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And that hum slowly quiets down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, we're being called into something to unify our voices. Right. Right. To, we're, we're being called into a, to a unified form of participation. Right. In worship. And that bell that maybe other churches don't have, we have it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. it's our local. It's an old oxygen tank bell from an Amish community up in, like, Indiana or Is something. Is that what that it's, made of? And it's made out of? It's made out of oxygen tank? Ah, and yeah. Did you know that, that makes sense. I didn't know that. I mean, it, now that you say that, the shape and everything makes a lot of sense. Oh, and it's such a beautiful bell, too. Yeah, it makes the great sound noise. is like, boom. I mean, so I really should walk back there and get it. Do you want to go get it? Yeah, you should keep talking. Hang I'll on, keep I'm going to go get it. I don't so know if it'll show up to yeah, but we go and we get this bell, and I, I think that's a sign of something getting ready to happen. Um, and his father, Nick, climbs underneath the microphone. And so when we do that here in this space, there is this sort of like silencing. Oh, I heard it. And there's this unification then. Oh, there it is again. Oh, that's beautiful. Hopefully they can hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Ah. 
that, I mean, even when you did that, I found myself wanting to be quiet, but because we're doing a podcast, I feel like I'm supposed to talk, you know? Yeah, you got to keep talking, but it does. It's it's liturgical in that when we hear that noise, we know it's what time to for do. us to quiet, right? Yeah. Still our hearts to prepare our hearts for worship. And then <clears throat> from there, we, we move into... We do something a little different here. Right, we we do. This I guess both of these things would be considered kind of local flavor, but we, we ring the bell. We ring the bell. Three times. Three times. We say, let's stand for worship. Mm-hmm. And then there's this sort of unified standing, mm-hmm. right? And we turn to the rear of the sanctuary where we have our processional cross there, which is a, we can get into that later, uh, but it's a representation of Christ being in our midst, right? It's a symbol of that. And that we come uh, only into this through the cross, right, of Jesus Christ. And then we do something a little unique. We sing a canticle. We sing a canticle good and um which is a seasonal canticle that we have for whatever season we're in and then we do something weird yeah we say the psalm we do the psalm from the rear yeah and most churches would do it from the front within the normal reading of scripture but we start with a psalm right um and that's just a tradition that started a long time ago we're not trying to step outside of the book of common prayer and do something but it started even actually before this church was Anglican or okay. part of a diocese. Yeah, we were sir, just I mean, doing it. And, uh, and it made sense um, back in the day. There was just a way of saying we enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And this is how we do it at mm-hmm. Old North Abbey with this unified psalm, this thing. And then we, we after, when we're done with the psalm, we, we then process. And we bring forth, first and foremost, if we have incense that day, we bring in the incense, Right. And then we bring in the cross and then we bring in the Holy Scriptures and then the clergy will come in after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we're doing is, is we're preparing ourselves and the people of God for worship. And so this is a, uh, and when when the cross comes by with the scriptures, people will typically bow. We will bow and um, that is to show reverence to Christ being in our midst. If the king is here, then we should bow to the king. Right, Right, right. Which is a really beautiful practice, and it's one that we get questions about all the time. Why do you guys bow to the cross? Isn't that kind of idolatrous? They, that word is never exactly used, but the, the implication is there. Like, you know, why are you why are you genuflecting? Why are you bowing? Why are you yeah. reverencing the cross? When it, yeah, when the cross and the scriptures come by. Come by, and, and there's this sense of we're acknowledging the presence of God in this place, and this physical act helps us connect with that reality, and it's an important physical posture of worship really Mm -hmm. that helps set us up for the rest of this time you know we are in a place and we talked about this last week liturgy helps us recognize the significance of sacred space we are in a place that's been set apart for worship and christ is in this place and so we worship him um not just with our minds but with our bodies as well Mm -hmm. um and part of what we move on to say after that helps us remember that right like uh we say hear what our lord jesus christ says sure you know and we say you should love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind i kind of wish we would throw body in there i wish body was in yeah yeah uh our liturgy um and you shall love your neighbor as yourself so you get this opening acclamation of hey 
Christ's words are important. We speak these words each week to remind ourselves of why we're here. Right. Right. Well, you no. Know, what you're what you're bringing up is a really good point because I think sometimes in the I don't want to say the West as it just like sort of encapsulates everything West, but I think maybe in our in our understanding we're, we're kind of maybe a little too romantic. We think that everything comes from the heart first, sure, and everything has to be spontaneous, and I feel it. But a lot of times, stuff comes from the outside and works its way in, right? And I have found that if people practice a bowing, right, even at the even when we say like Lord Jesus Christ, like mm-hmm. I will often bow because I'm recognize I'm bending my knee at the name. Jesus. Of Jesus, every every tongue every confess, knee, every knee yeah. shall bow. This yeah. idea that I begin to bow, that has actually worked itself into me mm-hmm. because I've practiced it, right? Right, and that's a spirit thing. That the spirit's done that, right? Um, but so all of that's going on, and so as we enter in, and the people of God are standing, and we're singing, and the cross is processing. And we come to the table, we come to the table, we bow again, we put the cross where it goes, we put the scriptures on the table, the incense, if it's around, is filling the air and everybody's choking. And uh, then we we hang it up and then we... We greet one another, the Lord be with your spirit. Yeah, the Lord be with you and 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 with your your spirit. spirit. And then we say something like, good morning. Yeah, a welcome, (laughs) there's a welcome piece. Sure. But this is part of that idea of getting the people um, ready uh, for worship. Now, can I say something very quickly, and then I want to ask you a question? Sure, yeah. Um, I think one of the things that we've misconstrued is, like, with music in the church. Sure. And I'm getting to my point, is that that it only serves the purpose of us singing and giving praise— but what it actually does is it begins to like shape and form our voices into mm. one. Sure. Like singing actually has a purpose of unifying our voices right. and our hearts together. Right. And so in a lot of traditions, there'll be a ton of music. Sure. And here at Old North Abbey, we typically will sing two songs in the beginning. In, yeah. in COVID, we've been doing one. One, right? yeah. But we do two songs typically in the beginning. Um, but that whole idea of, you know, people are always like, well, how many, you know, you guys don't sing a whole lot of songs, right? It's like, well, some of that's because we have a lot more things to say. We sing a lot of songs. They're just spread throughout the service. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a really beautiful way of thinking about it, right? What does the unification of our voices look like? We are to be a people who together proclaim the wonders of God and, Song does that. Obviously, sure. liturgical call and response does that. Um, our colic for purity, which we pray at the beginning, does that. All of these things unify our voices, prepare our hearts for the entirety of worship. Worship is not merely singing, but all aspects of the service that we're about to engage in. And I think that's a really beautiful way to think about it. We are uh, almost like a tuning fork helps the instruments come together in tune uh, these things help our voices uh, become attuned to one another. And more than just our voices, hopefully our hearts. Absolutely. You know, that colic for purity is a very, very beautiful prayer. But I find myself every Sunday loving praying that with 
the congregants with our parish because we're all praying this in hopes of having our heart attuned to God, you know, uh, even cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through mm-hmm. Christ our Lord. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful prayer Amazing. to pray together. Yeah. Um, and well, so, yeah, that's an excellent point. Father. That's a key word, too. And I think that's the thing that you and I had really wanted to hit on today was this idea of together. Sure. This idea that, that worship is a, uh, is a communal, it is a, uh, it is a people thing. Right. I remember, you know, this is to explain this. So the Book of Common Prayer is our book of worship. Um, I don't want to say it that way. It's, it's sort of a, because that makes it sound like the Bible is not our book of worship. But the Book of Common Prayer is sort of a... Um, it's a supplemental text. It's a, a supplemental way. text that helps guide us and direct us in terms of how, how we might worship and why we do it. And it sort of gives a framework for us to, to, yeah. to walk into. And it's super helpful. And it has like morning prayers and evening prayers. And if you've never had a BCP, a Book of Common Prayer, uh, I would love for you to go get one. Uh, the 2019 ACNA uh, Book of Common Prayer is a fantastic uh, book. And so we follow that liturgy that's in there. So I had a guy several years ago. This is when I was really just a, a new priest or a deacon. Um, I, he, he knew I was a, an Anglican priest here in town, and he uh, gave me a call, and he said, uh, Father Aaron, I have been praying the Book of Common Prayer every day for my daily devotional, hmm. and I've been doing it for a whole year, and I'm just kind of wondering, what should I add to it? Like, do you have another resource that you think would be helpful uh, that would make, you know, like, a, it would help me out with my devotionals? Did you tell him to go and sell all that he had and give it to the poor? No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, man, here's what you need to do. Um, but it, it probably came across as really smart alecky. It wasn't meant to be. Sure. But I said, yeah, I think you need to add people to it. Because hmm. he wasn't going to church anywhere. Yeah. You know, I said, you need to add people. Right. And he was like, well, like that wasn't the answer he wanted to hear. He right. wanted like another book that would allow him to stay on an island. He would learn more things. But it's like, no, well, you we, need people. You need to participate <laughs> in it. We, right? we love that idea. And it is a Western idea. And it's one that throughout the last, you know, 20 years has been heavily popularized. Right. Like this whole uh, phrase, Jesus isn't interested in religion. He's interested in relationship. I don't need church to have relationship with God. I can have relationship with the Lord, just me and him. And there's some truth to all that, right? Like there's the reality that we can indeed engage with the Lord on our, on our own. He can handle that. And um, he's not necessarily put off by you having a time alone with him. I think he actually really desires that. But the fact of the matter is he also has invited us to be a part of his body and the body is much more broad and so yeah to pray the prayers in the book of common prayer alone is really beautiful but to engage with it in the context of community is really rich and forming yeah and so even in this kind of current moment i keep hearing a lot of people say that they're really enjoying church online or that they're getting a lot out of watching x or y pastor preach their sermon online and they don't necessarily feel the need to be in church because they're getting it online and i 
we talked some about this two or three weeks ago, man, it's just not what we're designed for. It really is contrary to how God made us as human beings, as embodied individuals. We need to worship together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, not through the internet, but in physical spaces where we can touch one another, where we can be next to one another, where we can have our voices attuned together. Yeah. And we understand that right now in COVID that there's a time and a place for those things, but those things should come to an end and we should be, uh, with one another in person because that's exactly how we were made. Now to that point, um, what you were saying about this idea of togetherness being super important. Um, I would say if you're, if you're in your daily devotionals, if you're doing your daily devotionals and you're trying to listen to God and you're, you're not, with a body of people, you're probably not listening very well in your devotionals. Because I think God would say to you in your personal private devotionals, if you're not with a people of God, you really need to go and be with the people of God. Sure. You can't do this on your own. Right. So well, that it's, it's interesting. You look at the entire history of God's revelation of himself to the world and yes he would reveal himself singularly to a prophet but the prophetic voice was always meant for the people not merely for the individual right it's always about god revealing himself to the world in its in its entirety rather than just to an individual who then stewards this beautiful gift that the lord gave him for himself right yeah. it's so. all it's all about the gospel moving out into the world through the people of God. Sure. Um, so we need to be together as the people of God in order to accomplish the mission of God. Otherwise, we're not listening to God. Right, um, right, right. And that's where this word piece comes in, right? Like we've processed in, we've put the cross in place, we've prayed the collect of purity, we've heard the... Uh, uh, the summary of the law. The summary of the law. And then, well, in Lent, we start off with like the, the litany, Great Litany. Sure, we don't yeah. even want to get into that because we don't no. even have time to do the Great Litany by no, itself. No. <laughs> uh, but you, that's a long, <laughs> long, like arduous task of, right. of, of confession. But typically, yeah, well, you're right. We go from, we go from there. Um, we go from, uh, we'll sing a song, you know, and then we will uh, have the, the collect of purity, which is us as a people saying, Lord, uh, it, in a sense, enlighten our hearts today. And you know everything that's going on in our lives, so we don't want to hide anything from you. You know, right. that's, and then we move on to the summary of the law where we remind ourselves of Jesus says to love God and love neighbor. Right. And then we have a collect for the day. Right. And the collect is, um, is a really beautiful tradition sure. of we have a collect for every Sunday that the people once again are now praying together. Right. Our voices have been attuned through the beginning, and then we pray this prayer once again, and it's usually uh, relevant to the scripture readings of the day and the season that we're in. And then from the colic, we move into the scripture lessons. We'll, be, we'll say, please be seated for the reading of Holy Scripture. Yeah. And then we, since we've already said our psalm, move into our Old Testament reading, right? And we read whatever the Old Testament reading for the day is. Sure, but we say something really important. Sure, yeah. Before we before we say this, and so if you know, you look at an Anglican setting. There's like a pulpit on one side and a lectern on the other. Pulpits on the left, if you're facing uh, the altar, and the lecterns on the right. Right. 
and we say, please be seated. Seated for the reading of Holy Scripture. For the reading of Holy Scripture. Right now, Father. I, Nick, ju- I just said that. You did? Yeah, man. I was turning around and getting once again. Father Aaron's not paying attention, guys. I'm not paying attention. <clears throat> I'm sorry. But why but do yeah. we? Why do we do that? Because it's time to receive instruction. Right. So yeah. unpack that. Well, I think you know within the within the history of the church. This idea of receiving instruction has been met with a seated posture, right? Mm-hmm. We sit to receive instruction from the Lord as his words are opened up to us. And that's just a posture of humility. There's this reality that, hey, we are coming under a time of teaching, that God's word is going to teach us, and that we're going to have two main texts in this particular section that will teach us. One will be Old Testament and one will be New Testament, not gospel, because we'll get to that in a second, but an epistle or something else from the New Testament. And those are typically read by laity for us. Yeah, you know, that's a, and that's a really important thing to think about. Right. Like, this is a highly participatory service for, quote unquote, the laity. Like, they oh. come for, they are the ones who are leading these moments. And, right. And, and as clergy, we're, we're sitting down. We're receiving instruction, too. Right. We're not standing. We're not doing our own thing. No. Like, we sit under the reading of the word Amen. in our church because we always have to have a posture of humility to receive because we don't know it all. Oh, we, yeah. we are under instruction as well. Absolutely. The Lord is instructing us. And I, and I think here of this quote from A.W. Tozer that I really love, a word of God once, once spoken continues to be spoken. And I think there's some nuance to that quote he's thinking about Hebrews 4 and this idea that the word of God is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword Um, but I think there's also this sense that the word of God once spoken continues to be spoken because of the people of God continue to speak it yes we continue to week in and week out open the sacred scriptures and read them so that we can know them you know right um read mark uh and inwardly digest the scriptures, yeah. if you will. Um, so laity read the Old Testament and our epistle reading or whatever we have for the week. Sure. And then uh, you or I will say, please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. So why the posture shift? Yeah. Why do we move from seated to standing? And what happens as we're standing? Sure. Now, wait, do we say please stand or do we say let us stand? Uh, I think it probably depends on the week. Okay. I usually say, let us stand. Okay. For the reading of the gospel. Because please sounds like you're just kind of asking people to do you a favor. Maybe. I just say, let us stand for the reading of the gospel. I don't know. We should talk about that. We should, actually. I think we, yeah. Well, anyways, we say, I say, typically, let us stand for the reading of the holy gospel. Now, there's a question as to why. Now, Whenever we enter into church, into a space that's set aside for worship, I have always said we're entering into the world as it should be. This act, this functions as a little microcosm of the kingdom of God. It is the world as it should be. Now, does that mean that everything's perfect? No, but we're here to be perfected into Christ, right? Right, it's that so, shaping aspect. Yeah, that shaping aspect. So it, it's like a little cosmos. It's like a little... It's like a little biodome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Sorry, I had to get you choked up. So many thoughts. Polly Shore. Polly Shore. So we, we have the world as it should be. And so when, when, we, when we enter in, we're, it, it's, it's a symbol of Christ coming into the world. And so when we read the gospel, we stand 
and then the cross comes back out into the middle of the nave, into the middle of all the people, followed by uh, the, the gospel book or the, the Bible. We, we have a Bible here. We, we bring the whole Bible out. And in the middle of the people, as we stand, people will turn to it. And this is a way of recognizing that Christ didn't just stay up at the top of somewhere and speak down to us. Right came into our marriage. But this midst. is incarnational. So Jesus mm. comes into the very midst of us and mm. speaks to us in the very middle of the world. Beautiful, right? And everybody stands because the gospel lifts us, mm. right? It's the power of the gospel to lift humanity up out of the muck and mire. And then we bow because we say, glory to you, Lord Christ. We say the holy gospel of our Lord, according to you, this week, it's going to be John. So according to St. John. Right. And everybody goes, praise to you, Lord Christ, or glory to you, Lord Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And so I've always thought about this. This is interesting. Why this is such an important, this is the high point, I would say, of the word section of, it's not the sermon. Hmm, I think the reading of the gospel is the highest point of the word. And here's why. I don't think, and a deacon, by the way, a deacon is the one who reads this. Mm -hmm. A deacon is the sort of missional aspect of the church's life. They come out, they're showing us that the gospel is going out into the middle of the world, mm -hmm. right? And they're reading it from there. But I have said that in this moment, it is not a deacon that is speaking to us. I thoroughly believe in the heart and the deepest part of me that it is Jesus mm. speaking to us again. Amen. A word of God once spoken continues to be spoken. The word of God is living and active. Yeah. Yeah, this, the, the word and the word. Right. Yeah, you get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's him. Right. He's speaking to us again because he's alive. He's mm. in the midst of his people, and Amen. here he goes speaking. And so we say the word of the Lord according to St. John, and we all bow. We say glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, mm. we don't say glory to you, Deacon Brad, for reading Jesus's words, right, or glory right. to you, Deacon Joy, for, right. we, we say glory to you, Lord Christ, because he's speaking now again, yeah. and we hear him speak to us. Now, it's in the voice of someone else, but sure. it's his words. Right. It's him speaking. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing, and that, that moment is a lifting moment. Right. Right. And, and typically, just to throw in another little piece, as the deacon says, this is the Holy Gospel of our Lord according to St. John. Uh, you'll see, see people draw a small cross on their forehead, a small cross on their lips, a small cross over their heart. Just this idea of may the, the word of the Lord be in our minds and on our lips and in our hearts. Just right. this reminder of the power of this word that we're about to hear, that this is the gospel that truly lifts, up, lifts, lifts us. And it needs to be in our minds mm -hmm. and on our lips and mm -hmm. in our hearts, that, that hearkening back um, to the word of God, to the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, yeah, it's really beautiful. And after the gospel is read, then we'll all bow again as we say praise to you, Lord Christ. Yeah, we'll say that, you know, the gospel of our Lord, and we say praise to you, Lord Christ. We bow again. And then when, it comes, when the cross comes back by, we bow again. I mean, that's like four bowings. Right. There's a right? lot of reverence. And, and. And that, that to me, you know, look, uh, I've come to the conclusion that there's mainly two different kinds of worship that we're given in our culture. One is what I would call a two-dimensional observation worship. Sure. Where, where we sit down, we observe what's going up there. 
it's two dimensional. Maybe it's even audience and show. Yeah. Audience and show. Um, did I ever tell you about what Shepard said one time? He, my kids love the greatest showman. Okay. The, the movie. Yeah. Um, I was watching something on YouTube and I said, Hey buddy, come here real quick. And it was a, uh, and this is, I'm not trying to throw anybody. It was like, I think it was a Hillsong thing. I said, buddy, what, what's this? It was like a Hillsong church service or something. And he goes, Oh, that's the greatest showman. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And I said, ah, like he's even picked up on spectacle. Yeah. Spectacle. And even like, it's funny. I've asked Phoebe, like she's gone to some of her friends churches sometimes like, did you enjoy church? And she's like, Oh, was that church? Huh. And I that's go, fascinating I response. go, yeah. And she goes, well, we didn't have communion and we didn't say stuff. We just mm-hmm. watched people up there. You know, it's like, oh. So it's this difference between two-dimensional observation and then three-dimensional participation mm-hmm. where things are moving into us and out of us and we're mm-hmm. up and we're down and we're left and we're right. And our knees are worn out after the great litany. Yeah. And yeah. We and don't have kneelers. So, yeah. Oh, yeah keep going keep going but yeah yeah so we're participatory yeah and then and then the and then the the the, the cross comes back up here the, the holy scriptures are put back on the table and then there's this thing called the sermon now mm-hmm. homily or homily or we're talking to yeah we're talking to it's about time for you to give talking to yeah but then we move into the homily but i think by the time and this is one of the beauty uh, the beauties of being a, a priest within the anglican tradition is by the time you get to the homily We've heard a psalm. We've heard the Old Testament. We've heard the New Testament. We've heard the gospel. So if I don't have much to say, I know that the people of God have been fed, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there has been a lot that has yeah. taken place already. Yeah. And they've already prayed together. Right. They've prayed together. And they've already asked for the Lord to uh, uh, to purify their hearts. Right. They've already heard the law yep. of loving God and loving neighbor. Right. Like we come in, man, and we just kind of like put a little like, extra little drop sure into the big but in a lot of services this is the main thing or the only thing or the only thing depending on the nature of the songs that are sung now we sound a little bit critical right now i get that i get that we maybe sound a little bit critical of other worship styles and i think that some of this criticism is actually warranted so if you feel like we're being a little harsh then i'm okay with it but at the same time it's also important for us to recognize that god is capable of shaping people in a lot of different ways sure. and he can do it through a more sure. or less uh, modern approach to worship. But at the same time, one of the things, and I think we said this a couple weeks ago, one of the things that we love about this Anglican tradition, this liturgical sacramental tradition is every Sunday we practice the things that the disciples of God should practice, that the disciples of Christ should practice. We pray, we read the scriptures, uh, we confess. Together, together, yeah, together. Yeah, all these things. Yes. And so there's actually discipleship that's taking place here. It's not merely, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the this invitation to an emotional experience yeah. followed by a sermon that hopefully rouses our emotions yeah. and then a song that kind of boils our emotions down, boils them off so that we can be sent out. Um, if there's ascending at all, yeah. but yeah, so we get to the homily and we try and keep them short here. Father Aaron's not as good at it as the rest of us. We'll it's be not honest. necessarily true. <laughs> Depends if I walk down the front stairs or not. Right. right. In right. COVID, I haven't been able to walk down. That's true. That's true. And before COVID, I would come down and I don't, be like you. Like I don't walking. mean it as a criticism. It's I'm okay if saying. it is. I get into it a little bit. So Father Aaron loves 
the he's a little more Presbyterian when he preaches, you know, long sermon, 40, 45, what are you talking 50 about? Not minutes. Even close, man. <laughs> but yeah, so we preach a homily. And we do try and keep it short because there's a lot of well, things that have Well, 15 to 20 happened. is a good number. Right, exactly. Because what else are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, the homily, and, and hopefully the homily is something that the Lord gives to uh, the clergy or whoever's preaching. We even have some laity share on occasion. Sure. In that week or those weeks leading up to it being given, and hopefully it reaches the people that it's God's word for the people sure. uh, derived from the words of God that have been written already right or read already excuse me yeah well yeah so it, it's it's really it's one of those things where it will always be preaching or homily will always be something that's a local custom depending on who's doing it because sure. it's a it's something that God has given a person for a particular time and place for the people of God to hear right right and it's not like if you know you it's sort of an, an opening up per se mm. of, of what we've already done and sure. saying, okay, so here's what this may mean for us right now in this moment right? and, and going forward. Um, and it's but, a chance, it's a chance to potentially be vulnerable in such a way that you can say, here's yeah. how, here's how God has worked in my life mm-hmm. uh, or is working or here's how God continues to, you know, uh, train me because I'm really slow at learning these things. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this opportunity, I think, to demonstrate ongoing sanctification and movement toward Christ-likeness sure. from the pulpit, which is a beautiful thing. Sure, sure. Let me back up very quickly, because sure. there's a point I wanted to make about the reading of the gospel. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think, it's, I think it's actually more essential than the sermon. Probably. And let me say why. Uh, and I, I would say this. If you are in a church that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord, and you're not hearing his words to you on a Sunday. Mm. Like, think about that for a second. Sure. The, 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 the four books we have that is Jesus speaking to us in the flesh, mm-hmm. we need to hear that every Sunday. It's so essential to hear what Jesus said. Right. Um, and it is only because Jesus has spoken to us that we can even speak and have a homily. Right? So we need him to speak to us. And then we, then we can speak. Hmm. Does that make sense? You'd have to unpack that last statement. Yeah. Like in the sense that you, only because we have Christ's words, do we have anything to say to the rest of the body of Christ? Is that? Yeah. What, okay. Yeah, yeah. Or to the world. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It takes him speaking for there to be creation. Sure. Right. And so when he speaks, then we can speak as participants with him. But it's, right. I, I find it really difficult to for us to preach without hearing from Jesus. Does that make sense? No, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I think yeah. it is a very reasonable place to be. It puts the, it puts everything on us and our own ability. Uh, and it, it puts us at the center if we don't hear from Jesus. Right. And we're like, and now I'm going to tell you a few things. Right. You know, it's like, no, we need to hear what did Jesus say? Right. Well, and I think contextually having Jesus's words in the broader story, as we've heard from the Old Testament and the Psalm and the New Testament as well, is really important too because it places us in a location as well. Like we're not just set adrift, 
uh, which a sermon can sometimes do, but you're actually placed within the context of the greater story, you know, sure. the, the creation, fall, redemption, new creation. And I think to your point, the combination of hearing Christ's words and the localizing nature of the story that we're a part of gives us a lot of space to actually then apply these things to our lives as we are sent out later later on in the service. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. homily. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. homily. And then after the homily, we do something that's really fun. We protect ourselves from being heterodox. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we, you know, it's a, it's a tradition in the church to recite the Nicene Creed. Right. And so we do it after a homily. And uh, this is because... I think, well, yeah, I mean, there's probably other reasons. My personal opinion on why we do this is because we can be, I mean, I have preached some bad (laughs) sermons before, right? We have the tendency uh, to wander, right? Yeah. Yeah. As the great song, Come Thou Fountain says, prone to wander. (laughs) Lord, I feel it, you know, in my homily. Yeah. Uh, and, And also because we could say something really damaging. Sure. Like we could get up there and be like, you know, I got this new idea this week. Mm. Man, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> there was this one time I was working for a parachurch ministry for a long time. Uh, the Navigators, love the Navigators, but I invited uh, a local pastor to come and speak. Uh, and he got up front and he started talking about how... Uh, <laughs> this uh, is going to be so fantastic. It was really rough. I really shouldn't even share the story, but about how... Uh, a gentleman dressed in drag came into the coffee shop where we had church and he went on and on about how God was somehow in the midst of this situation with this drag queen. And I was like, what is happening? And my boss afterward was like, Nick, why on earth did you ask that guy to come and speak? <laughs> and we didn't say the creed afterwards. So all of these, all of these college students were like, what just happened? Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, uh, this is not, by the way, this is not against anybody who dresses in drag or anything like that. It's just, no, it was yeah, just we, one of those musings where there was no scripture involved. It was this guy getting up and talking about this one moment in his life where for some reason or another, he thought that the Lord was present, but there was nothing rooting it. There yeah. was nothing to, it would be like me getting up and being like, I just want to tell you guys what my spirit animal is. Right. Exactly. You're a dolphin, right? <laughs> I'm a hawk. <sighs> Um, they or make a similar owl, <laughs> But so, yeah, sorry, we got off topic. You brought it. <laughs> but anyway, the, the creed. That's the whole point. Right. The yeah, creed, we just got off topic. Right. That's the whole point. So we go back to the creed to be like, did that guy say something <laughs> really stupid? Excuse me. Well, yeah. let me just fix that. Because we could get up there with some new idea. We could get up there and we could actually in our sermon say something so dumb that challenged right. orthodox teaching right. on the Trinity or on the, you know, anything. like, well, And you're almost guaranteed anytime you're preaching on the Trinity to use some sort of analogy that doesn't quite capture oh, man, it Trinity is Sunday. as a result. Trinity Sunday. Right. Wait, so on Trinity Sunday, we even do a different creed oh, that's sure. even longer just yeah. to make sure we really don't mess it up. Yeah, we can do the Athanasian Creed. But, <laughs> I mean, the creeds are beautiful because, and, and it's funny because what they do is to a large degree they summarize the teaching of Scripture. So that's why it's part of this part of our worship service it's still part of the word because of the nature of 
the words of the creed. Now, they're not necessarily scripture in themselves, but they're all derived from scripture, and they've been thought through carefully by the fathers and mothers of the church, and primarily, I think it was fathers who were debating these words, but they root us. They, they protect totally us, us. Fr- They protect us from error, so we say them. And yeah. thanks be to God, we say them after the homily. And I think, for the most part, we do try to be careful with our homilies. We try oh, not absolutely. to wander. Yeah. And we're joking. We're making light of the situation. But um, we can. We're all prone to error. And so sure. the, the creeds are beautiful in that they, they anchor us. They bring us back to absolutely. Uh, center. Yeah. And then for us, after the homily and after the Nicene Creed, we do something that's really important. And this is what, I mean, this is one of the main reasons I became Anglican, was there was a shift for me about where worship takes place. And it's funny because I think a lot of people think everything, if, if they're not aware of what's taking place, they think that all the worship happens up front. Right. Which is absolutely false. The right. worship happens out there. Right. It happens in the midst of the people. So we enter into this time called the prayers of the people, whereby it can either be a deacon in, in Old North Abbey. It's a lay person who comes mm-hmm. up, and that person leads the people of God in prayer. Right. And people at Old North Abbey pray. Yeah, we're a little out of practice, actually. I think COVID and doing services outside made it hard to pray sure. out loud. But yeah, no, that's one of the things that initially drew me to Old North Abbey too was this reality that during the prayers of the people pray out, pe- during the prayers of the people people pray out loud. Yeah, um, and so it's uh, in certain and we settings, give space for it, right? It's in intentional c- in certain Anglican settings. It's real fast. You just move through the petitions, and each petition is followed by "Lord, in Your mercy," and the congregants will respond, "Hear our prayer." Um, but we, we pause before we say, Lord, in your mercy. So we give we, space. We yeah. give space and people pray. And that's been really beautiful. Yeah. And, I th- and I think uh, it's really wonderful to hear what's on people's hearts as we go through those petitions. Um, because, again, as a body of Christ, we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Yeah. Um, you know, we're supposed to look out for one another. And that's a, a moment where we get to look out for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we can pray for those who are ill or in need and um, our larger community and yeah. our nation, et cetera. Yeah, there's a whole series of prayers that right. we're guided in and through. Right. And this is a really important piece because it, it, it reminds us that the worship of God takes place in the midst of the people. It's the people who are worshiping. You and I, even though we're worshiping, are just simply prompters of worship in some ways. We're sort of like guiding and directing through the liturgy where right. where we're going and, and right. everybody's sort of doing it together right we've been we've been ordained for that work yeah you know the church has asked us to be the people who do these different pieces and we'll get to this really big piece next week when we talk about sacrament uh but there's this reality that we are that yeah. we we've been asked to be people who read mark and digest the scriptures, study them so that we can help our congregations know them. And part of that is we lead them through this aspect of the liturgy of the word during our worship. Mm -hmm. And that kind of begins to move to this space where we move into the prayers of the people. And after the prayers of the people, we all together confess our sins. Oh, this is, I think, this is the, 
the the lowest point of our worship and i don't mean that in a negative way but this is like that deep well this is like we get on our knees we come before right. the lord it is the deepest moment of uh of for us of right. saying we confess our sins to you lord well and i think after we've heard the old testament and the psalm and the new testament reading and the gospel and a homily followed by the creed uh we're confronted with the reality that we are not yet fully sanctified, that we are sure. not yet living uh, as Christ would have us live. And hopefully there's been uh, some hope offered in the homily, but also some uh, real depth of understanding that, hey, we've got work to do to become the people of God, right? These mm-hmm. things come together in these places. And so the appropriate response after affirming what we believe in the creed and praying together is to get on our knees and say, we confess that we have sinned against you, Lord, in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. You know, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved you, uh, our neighbors neighbors as ourselves, ourselves, which harkens us back to the beginning of this liturgy of the word when we hear the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we confess after hearing that, that we've not done it. Right. And that's beautiful. Oh, it's essential. Right. I've always said, you know, you know, how much time do we have? We should probably wrap her up. Okay. But confession is so important because it actually, and, and, and at Old North Abbey, we give space for confession. Right. And so people will say things yeah, out during loud. the confession time. Yeah. Out loud. People will say, Lord, I have not loved my neighbor. I have hated my neighbor. Anger is actually confessed frequently. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. I think it's beautiful, I've but I think angry. it's a common and core emotion. Yeah. I've been impatient with my family or right. my children. Those things happen, and that is one of the greatest things you can do as a person mm. is to confess your sins because, A, it it draws you closer to God, but, B, it strips Satan of any kind of ammunition he would have against you right? because he's an accuser. Right. You're and such you an angry person. Yeah. You're a terrible person because yeah. of your anger. But to confess it out loud. There's nothing for him to say anymore. Right. Not only have you confessed it to the Lord or just to your priest in an auricular confession or whatever, you've actually said it out loud to the entirety of your congregation. And everybody goes, we've had, it's been funny, we've had people confess things and then people come up to them afterwards and say, I've been struggling with Mm -hmm. that too. Let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so then the body of Christ rushes in, starts to lift that individual. And it's like, yeah, that's right, because mm-hmm. we, we strip we strip the enemy of anything they could say about us if we say it first. Right. It's like, I'll now live. what are you going to say? We're in Lent. I almost said the, the word I can't say in Lent. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Well, we said beautiful at the same time. Jinx. And that is was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then we proclaim absolution. Right. You know, you or I will get up and, um, you know, and there's some theological... Uh, breath on this position i think sometimes you know will excuse me explain the fact that we ourselves are not the ones absolving but that we're proclaiming the absolution that god himself has given um some would say that we actually are absolving sure now i think there's just some breath there but the fact of the matter is we have been forgiven of our sins we have been absolved of our sins yes and we need to be reminded of it after we confess yeah and it's funny because people always say to me is that something that only a priest can do and i'm like well in this house yes sure unpack that yeah, so that's the work that we've been given to do. When right. you come, when you come on a Sunday in an Anglican setting, you I mean it's your day to worship. It's like a Sabbath day for you. 
you sit back and relax, little little friend, and you you receive the goodness of God. But you have to work too. Yeah, you're working. Yeah, yeah, you're you're worshiping. Yeah, but I mean, when you leave and you go out in those other six days, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be out there proclaiming to people the forgiveness of that sin. God has forgiven them of their sins if Amen. they repent, like. You get to come here, and we get to do that for you, mm-hmm. right? Amen. So that on the other six days, when we're not doing that, mm-hmm. you and I are just sitting around chilling, doing podcasts. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> but when people go out, that they're they're able to go and do that, right? Right, and, th- and then they're able to go out and be Eucharistic, and they're able to have people at their table and break bread together. And we we'll get to that next week. But they become Eucharistic people as well. And this is the place where we are energized. This is the place where we are shaped and formed to be that kind of people. Right. So we receive absolution so that we can go out to the world and proclaim the good news that God has forgiven mm-hmm. the sins of humanity through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Boom, there it is. So it's not like this thing where we're like you and I or priests are trying to like hold on to this little nugget and we like d- d- dingle it or dangle it in front of people and are like ha ha ha, we can absolve. No. It's right. like there's nothing is, manipulative about it. Yeah, this it. is to encourage you to go out and to do this work in your everyday lives with people. Right. So, and then we do the offering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, but, but there's something that happens that's yeah. really important right here. And we'll start there next week. Let's start with that next week. You think? Yeah. The passing of the peace? Yeah. Because well, I think it, I think it there's a lot to it. Oh no, it's it's one of the most important moments of. I mean, I keep saying that. I keep saying this is like one of the most. And this well, is the most. This you is can't the best. you can't just take or leave any of these pieces. No, it's they're a well so thought important. Out it's a story. Yeah, it's a story. But let's let's pause there with absolution, and then next week we'll pick it up with the piece. Aaron's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But we're gonna. I, uh, uh, so uh, no, you're good. I think I there's a lot that we can continue to say, but that's just kind of sc- scratching the surface, if you will. Um, but I thought I'd close with a prayer. Um, and actually the prayer is 103 from our 2019 BCP and it says preparation for public worship. It seemed fitting in this context. Perfect. So, um, let me pray and then you can send us out. Sure. (sighs) Guide and direct us. O Lord, always and everywhere with your holy light that we may discern with clear vision, your presence among us and partake with worthy intention of your divine mysteries. We ask this for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And receive this blessing. May the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Aaron. Thank you, Father Nick. And here's the thing about the passing of the peace. (laughs) 